Going Linux episode 415, Linux Distro Key Differences. Welcome to the Going Linux Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, we answer the question, what are some of the key differences between Linux distributions? Hello, Bill. Hey, Larry. How are you? I'm doing fine. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm on the mend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the good news. That's great. Good to hear. Yeah. And uh, since I'm getting old, I'm going to say, it's cold. It's 17 at my house this morning. <laughs> yeah, 17 Fahrenheit for our international listeners. And uh, yeah, that's cold. Yeah. But uh, the good news is I finally felt well enough to start playing with uh, elementary OS, and I had it installed, and I hadn't looked at it, so I finally started playing with it. I like it. It's uh, the interface um, is is as as always beautiful, um, mm-hmm. but the um, it's really smooth. It runs really well. Uh, I uh, I'm gonna write something up about it uh but uh, right now i ha- to be honest i hadn't had enough time to really play uh play with it uh a whole lot because of work and other jazz in real life of course but uh i do like the um i didn't think i was gonna like it because i've always been a kind of a mouse person mm-hmm. um but i really like those uh the keyboard shortcuts i didn't realize how fast you can really get with those things oh yeah uh, and i started using more at work too so i'm like you know what they, they these guys are on something you can still use the mouse of course yes. but uh once you uh get uh, those keyboard shortcuts learned sometimes just you never have to really take your hands off the keyboard and when you're uh, working on something or it it really does speed things along um they added uh one thing i'm glad to see they've added a a uh, a dark feature to it that you don't hmm. you don't now have to try to uh do it yourself there was a package i can't remember what it was called that enabled you to do that so a lot of the a lot of the things that were annoying me from the very beginning when it with uh i think it was hera um they weren't game changers or anything but i say i wish i didn't have to do this to have these features now the features are just baked in and they're yeah. and, and they're done so much better than what i was being than what was being done before so i kind i kind of like it even even a little bit more than uh <laughs> um manjaro right now so shh don't All tell right. yeah <laughs> yeah don't tell your other machine that has manjaro running on it yeah. you know i don't have manjaro that this oh, is actually you- running on the manjaro's um machine so now i call it my odin machine okay um, yeah but it, it's uh it works well uh there's some unique features and i'll go over those when i when i do a full review of it because they've uh 
they've made some design choices and uh i th- uh, i like it uh the interface uh and then i'll just or we can move on is the interface reminds me of a of very apple of course but also with the redesign of windows 11 interface right uh the def- you know what the default is it, it kind of has some of those elements too uh I really like that interface. I, th- I like it more than Cinnamon, and Cinnamon has usually been my go-to for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been playing around with uh, some virtual machines, and I have uh, my finger po- poised above uh, an install of Windows 11 just to give it a try. And I, too, have taken a look at the interface you know, walk into a big box store, take a look at a new computer that has Windows 11 running on it. I don't see a lot of changes from Windows 10 other than the visual impact. Uh, what I have been reading, though, is that unlike Windows 10, which, uh, you know, if you didn't upgrade to it, uh, it was trying to force you to uh, upgrade whether your hardware was capable of handling it or not. Windows 11 has the same sort of attitude, if you will, except that um, it won't let you upgrade if your hardware is incompatible. Uh, And you can force it to upgrade. And from what I've been reading, once, you know, it's fully released and everything else, um, if your hardware is incompatible, it'll either stop working or you'll have some trouble or you won't get updates or something that would kind of force you to uninstall it. And they give you the ability to uninstall or go back to Windows 10, but only for something like four days after you install it and then it's permanently installed and you have to nuke and pave to reinstall Windows 10. Yeah, so I don't know whether they'll change that once it's actually, you know, uh, fully released and everything, all the bugs are ironed out, but uh, that's a bit of a problem right now. So be careful if you're upgrading to Windows 11. Yeah, my uh, Windows machine um, that I play my uh, games on sometimes is um, got that little icon that said, your machine meets all the requirements. And I'm like, yeah, it's upgrade now. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Everything's thanks. working. Let's just... Uh, let's not do it uh, right now, but it sit there and bugs me every once in a while. We got an upgrade for you. I was like, I don't want to just let me just leave it on Windows 10. I got what I need on it. I don't need to learn a whole new system again. Or yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a little, um, little crazy. The um, the the one thing that, uh, of course. Uh, irritates me more than most people and i think it it's actually a a a problem with you too is uh when i use my linux machine i if i see updates i can look at the updates and say "Ah, i don't want those updates or or you know i always apply the security updates but the optional updates you know for changes i always look at uh you only can pause a couple times i think i feel like a total of 14 or 30 days and then it's going to in windows 10 it's going to apply those updates right and and it just they tell you what it's gonna do but they don't uh, but it says oh uh improve security features well 
uh, on Linux, it tells me if you dig in which it security says, features, what yeah. security features. This one just says security features. Now, most people don't care. You know, they just say, you know, let it run. And, you know, as a general rule, I, I like to make, keep my machine up to date, but sometimes you're in the middle of something and you just don't want to take the chance that something might break yeah. at the time you're using it. Um, and you just say, I, you know, I'll install these when I'm done type of deal. Uh, that always irritated me and it seems, uh, they're, they're getting more and more, um, aggressive with that, especially with their browser. I, you know, there's a big thing with on 11 that I've read that they, um, they're really making it, uh, you have to jump through some hoops just to change your browser. And mm-hmm. <laughs> as people yeah. like, we change our browsers quite a bit. And, <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, we had I, like three or four of them installed at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, uh, I don't want to have to jump through hoops to say, look, I don't yeah. want in your browser. I want Firefox. I want Chrome or whatever. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah. On we, it. yeah, we kind of got, went down this rabbit hole, but, uh, yeah, Windows, it, bottom line of everything that we're saying is, Windows is just as annoying as it's been in the past. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's nicer. Sometimes it's just it just does it <laughs> uh, behind the scenes, yeah. and you just don't know. And that's one of the things of being a closed source operating system. You really don't know what's going on. You know, I've mm-hmm. we've had uh, options changed, uh, turned on that we had turned off. So and it's like anyway, this is not bash Windows. This we're talking about differences in linux but now you understand why we like linux (laughs) right and so now that we've talked about the the differences between windows and linux or at least highlighted some of them uh let's get into the differences between the linux distributions um so here at the going linux podcast many of our topics have been of interest to linux users of any skill level Even so, we tend to lean towards the fundamentals of desktop applications and recommendations for switchers from other operating systems like Windows or Mac or Chrome OS. And we found that when you are considering a switch to Linux, it's easy to become confused by the choice of so many different versions or distributions. When using Windows, Mac OS, or Chrome OS, the choice is limited. It seems like there is only one current version of each. In reality, there are different versions for different situations like desktop, tablet, phone, home business, and server versions of these operating systems. But they are all marketed as Windows or as Mac OS. Right. And a quick look at distrowatch.com can give you an idea of just how many current versions of Linux there are. Hundreds. And a look at the evolution of Linux distributions over time. We'll have a link to that diagram in the show notes. You can see that there have been many, many more over the years. And there are more in development right now. So if they are all Linux... Why are there so many, and what are the real differences between them? That's the question we try to answer today. At least we'll cover the key differences. Yes. And at first blush, most obvious differences between Ubuntu, Fedora, Linux Mint, Debian, OpenSUSE, and many other variants of Linux 
are cosmetic. The theme style and the behavior of the Windows applications are different from one another. Why so many versions of Linux exist is deeper. The why is rooted in the open source philosophy behind Linux. That philosophy is based on freedom. The freedom to choose the software for any purpose you choose, to change it to suit your needs, and to provide your changes to others. In other words, the freedom of choice. Along with choice come all of the Linux distribution options you can choose from. Each Linux distribution is a project unto itself, with a project leader who sets the project's aims and goals and helps determine what kind of computer user it is meant for, what software will be pre-installed, which desktop environment or environments the distribution will use, what package format and package managers will be used, and what display server will be provided. Linux distributions can exist to serve the needs of different kinds of computer users. For example, Linux Mint is based on Ubuntu, but contains different system tools, desktop environment, and a minty green theme. Its primary focus is on Windows and Mac OS users just starting to use Linux. Debian, on the other hand, aims to provide an extremely stable distribution and therefore contains older, more stable versions of software. And those are just two examples. Another way of looking at this is to ask, what is the user trying to do with Linux? For example, there are gaming distros like SteamOS or multimedia distros like Fedora Design Suite and Ubuntu Studio. Then we come to what software is pre-installed. Some distributions exist because they they like some aspects of an existing distro but wish to replace some of the software packages. The people behind each distribution choose what software they include. They include the software they think will best fit the purpose of the distribution. Audio and video production software for entertainment studio distributions, a selection of easy to use software for new users. Another example, several file managers are available for Linux, such as Kaja, Nautilus, and Conqueror, each offering a different way to browse the files of your system. The project leaders determine which one they will offer. And now, which desktop environment is right for you? A desktop environment is the bundle of software programs that you use to interact with the operating system and the software applications. The most visible place that distributions differ is in which desktop environment they use. And which one is right for you is really a personal choice. Let me give you some examples. Ubuntu's official flavors offer several desktop environments depending on which flavor you choose. Ubuntu, the main version, includes the GNOME desktop. Kubuntu includes KDE. Lubuntu uses LXQT. Ubuntu Budgie uses the Budgie desktop. Ubuntu Mate is the classic Ubuntu desktop. The desktop it uses is Mate. And Zubuntu uses XFCE. Other distros have a more modest selection of desktops available, often referred to as spins that contain different desktop environments. An example of a distribution that does this is Fedora. Meanwhile, you'll find the macOS-inspired Pantheon desktop on Elementary OS. 
What package format and package manager? The people behind distribution also choose the package format and package managers for installing the software packages. On Debian-based distros such as Ubuntu and Linux Mint, the package format is DEB and DPKG is the package installer. Access via the apt dependency resolver. For CentOS, RPM is the package format and the package manager responds to commands using yum. In addition to standard formats, there are several universal packages types like Snap, Flatpak, and AppImage. These can be installed on almost any Linux distribution. And now let's talk a little bit about display servers. A display server is a selection of tools, applications, processes, and servers that determine how Linux runs. This software coordinates between the computer hardware and the display, letting you interact with the graphical user interface. This is something you typically don't change during your normal use of the Linux computer. Historically, the XORG server has been most commonly used. Various alternatives are available, however, such as Mirror and Surface Flinger, which is used on Android, which uses the Linux kernel. The Wayland display server is seen as the future on Linux, with many popular distributions adopting it now. Although the desktop environment is the most visible difference between the distributions, the Linux kernel is the software that runs under the hood that makes Linux Linux. Even so, though the different distributions of Linux may look and behave differently and have different applications installed by default, they all have the benefits that Linux gives you. Desktop distributions of Linux are designed with security built in and with protection from viruses and spyware included. It is upgradable for life at no additional charge. Linux is secure, requiring minimal or no maintenance. Most desktop distributions provide automatic security updates and secure and software upgrades for both the operating system and all of your installed applications. The try-before-you-buy philosophy of open source combined with the idea that most software is free to use. Even if you choose a distribution that's designed for beginners, it is capable enough for even the most experienced computer user. Because, well, it's Linux. It has the power of every other Linux built in, simply put. It provides a powerful and practical alternative to other operating systems. And that's the basic message, is that although there are a lot of distributions to choose from, the choice is yours. You can choose whatever works for you. But regardless of your choice, you still have Linux and everything else that goes along with it. All those things that you just said, Bill. Yeah. And, you know, it. what's really great about Linux is if uh, you need something specific or you just like a different software uh, uh, suite or you just you, you want to tinker with it or you just want it to run, there's a Linux for you. Exactly. And that doesn't mean to say that you can't change 
let's say Ubuntu Mate to add the Cinnamon desktop and make changes to the applications you run so that it looks and feels like Linux Mint, for example, because you can do that. But for the average computer user who's just switching from Mac OS or Chrome or Windows, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of learning as to how to do that. And if that's what you want to do, you can do that. And that's, that's a great thing to do. But the different distributions are designed for you to use right out of the box with safe and sane, uh, defaults in most cases. And in some cases, they give you every possible <laughs> application that you could use for what you want to do. But that's your choice. And simply switching between them is very easy because it costs you nothing but your time and some disk space. <laughs> I do want to give uh, Ubuntu Mate uh, an honorable mention here. Um, even though uh, I don't use it as my daily driver, you do. But what's nice about that is that if you want to try different desktops without having to try to figure out how um, to you know install them whatever um, Ubuntu Mate has where you can actually change the interface with, from within the system so it's it's if you don't like its current its current uh, setup you can try the others that are already built into Ubuntu Mate that's a great feature to find out what you like and what you don't right yeah that's that's one of the reasons why I always recommend Ubuntu Mate first is because there are so many options to try different things built in so that it's just a button click or a drop down menu or some simple switch away to make that change and to try it out. And you can always switch it back without any harm. And if you, for example, try out the Pantheon desktop on Ubuntu Mate and decide, wow, I really like this. You can move to elementary OS and feel right at home. Or you can just continue using uh, Mate. Whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Well, what, what, but, uh, that was, that's one of the few, uh, Linuxes that has, I think it's like five or six built in. They got some, one that's supposed to be close to a Mac OS. They got one that for its, uh, I think they call it Redmond that it's supposed to mm -hmm. give you a Windows feel. They have, uh, uh, even the basic, I, I think it's the GNOME, uh, I don't know them all, but they do have, uh, quite a few built in, and, uh, I would have to say that's a great feature of that distribution. The only one that they don't have built in, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the KDE because it's just so, uh, so large and, and, um, I think it would be a, be problematic but uh, what if someone is interested in uh, they see KDE what would you recommend for that one yeah I think um, the one that you've been using Manjaro Manjaro yeah yeah so I don't think uh, I would uh, I would suggest uh, you know Manjaro is great for uh, um, intermediate users maybe even beginners okay. if you're tech savvy um, I thought um, that um, probably Kubuntu would be a, 
a, a good one to start if you want to stay on the Ubuntu base, which there's a lot of software uh, packages that use the uh, Deb, and that's uh, Debian. What, what's that stand for? Debian? Well, it just stands for Debian, yeah. as far as I know. Uh, there, it, it's it's a Debian package, and that's what Ubuntu uses also. So there's uh, Ubuntu and Debian are two of the biggest. So I would say Ubuntu. Um, but if you weren't, uh, in, you know, if you're interested in that desktop, so I think what I would recommend right now, if you're absolutely new to Linux, I would say start with Ubuntu Mate. Uh, if you uh, find that you like, uh, you're more of a Mac OS, try Ubuntu Mate with the Pantheon desktop, and if then if you want, you can look at elementary OS. It's very new user-friendly. If you want KDE, I would say uh, go ahead and just use Kubuntu. Is that kind of what right. you would okay. recommend? Yeah, I, I, it's been a long time since I used KDE. In fact, last time I used KDE, I think, was on Kubuntu. And I liked it, but that was a long time ago. So I haven't seen what it's capable of for quite a while. So I'll go with your recommendation. Okay. Well, Bill, I think we've done some justice to why there are so many Linux distributions and an idea of, if not which one is right for you, at least how to go about selecting one that's right for you. Yeah, and if you're looking for a Hannah Montana uh, distribution, there is one. <laughs> there is. I'm not sure it's <laughs> still updated, but hey, you can find it. Uh, there you go. Well, I think that's it for our episode for today. And our next episode is listener feedback. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And please do send us some feedback. We're a little low on feedback, mainly because I think we've missed a few uh, episodes in our regular schedule, but I think we're going to catch up on that. So if you can send us some emails or voice recordings or call our voice line and give us a audio recording of your feedback, that would be great. Yes, and feel free to uh, flame me all you want. <laughs> Just <laughs> and if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Seventy three. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.